to Nigeria now, where opposition parties have called for last weekend's presidential election to be scrapped. The ruling party's candidate, Bola Tinubu, is the lead with almost 40% of the vote counted. But the People's Democratic Party and the Labor Party say results have been manipulated. They now want a new vote to be organised. Joining us now is Matthew Page, an Associate Fellow at Chatham House Africa Program. Uh, Thank you so much for your time, Matthew. Thanks for having me. What evidence does the opposition have that the ruling party's lead has been manipulated? Well, I think like a lot of us, they're disappointed in the Electoral Commission, which is an independent body in Nigeria tasked with holding the the election and organizing it. It's a monumental task. Nigeria has 93 million registered voters and about 177,000 polling places, you know, spread all around the country, including in very remote areas. And the Electoral Commission has a mixed record in terms of pulling off this feat logistically. But this time around, I think the opposition parties are crying foul about the process because they feel like it hasn't been especially transparent. And also because there were clear efforts to potentially suppress the turnout in the election. And the main piece of evidence that they're pointing to is the fact that polling places opened quite late in many areas, especially opposition strongholds. And does that stand up? Yeah, I mean, I think the evidence is certainly uh, pointing in that direction. I think also that the uh, opposition had a very uphill battle in this election. They were facing a ruling party, the party of outgoing President Mohamedou Buhari and Bola Ahmed Tanubu, who you mentioned a moment ago. And the opposition was really divided at least into sort of four different splinters. So it was always going to be an uphill battle for them. But they are crying foul because they feel like the ruling party really pulled out all the stops to uh, manipulate the vote and and skew it in their favor. Just give us a quick update. Who's currently ahead in the count after three days of counting and... You know, is there a sense of calm in the community about this or is this escalating? Well, of course, Nigeria is a very um, diverse country, both in terms of religion and ethnicity. It's uh, often, you know, referred to as kind of a country of superlatives. It's Africa's largest economy. It's going to be the third most populous country in the world by 2045. And so really the political parties, um, much like in Australia or the U.S., right, there are particular geographic areas where they traditionally pull quite strong. So the initial results that we have so far, of course, have the ruling party candidate in the lead. There are still several states. Um, Again, Nigeria is a federal system. Uh, really modeled on the U.S. system. There are still many of those states still outstanding and haven't reported yet. But it it really looks like the uh, ruling party candidate um, potentially has the election in, in the bag based on the results that we've seen so far. But Nigeria's constitution is a bit of a tricky thing. The winning candidate to win in the first round, they not only need an absolute majority of votes, but they need a really good geographic spread across the country in order to essentially check both boxes um, and win the election outright. 
So there has already been that upset of Bola Ahmed Tinubu, who is standing for the all-governing Progressives Congress, failing to win his home state of Lagos, and, and that stings because he was the governor there for eight years. He lost to, the, to Peter Obi, who's running for the little-known Labor Party and is proving pretty popular, as we've talked about before when we covered this story, with younger voters. How significant is the youth vote in Nigeria? Oh, it's it's huge. I mean, I think, you know, roughly 50% of the country is under the age of 18. This is an extremely youthful country uh, with, a, with a large sort of demographic youth bulge and uh, a generation, including those that have sort of come of age since Nigeria's transition back to civilian rule in uh, 1999, who are really disillusioned and disappointed with the sort of politics as usual uh, uh, really what we would call kleptocratic governance. So in other words, governance that is so corrupt that that really that becomes the main function of government instead of delivering public goods and services to the population. And so there is sort of this generation of, of very sort of civic-minded Nigerians, also, you know, sort of what we would think of as like movers and shakers, people who want to innovate and do things that are constructive and build the country up. And and they're really beginning to push back against this sort of very geriatric, kleptocratic, aging, corrupt political class that's been running the country now for, for decades. And Peter Obi was sort of the vehicle through which they were trying to, you know, propel their political aspirations and, and potentially win the presidency. To speed up the count and to clamp down on fraud, an electronic voting system was rolled out in large parts of the country, but I think it appears to have failed to have delivered a faster result service. How big a setback has that been in delivering results and ensuring that there is broader confidence in the count? Well, that's just it, right? I mean, confidence and credibility of elections is such an important part of democracy. I mean, uh, you know, people, I think, and Nigerians too understand that their that their candidates are going to aren't going to win all the time, but they they want to see a process that's pretty transparent and where there is there aren't a lot of shenanigans happening. And uh, in the case of this, you know, election last week, that confidence just isn't there. And it's always, you know, there are always problems, always logistical challenges. There are always examples of, of fraud that you can point to. But clearly the Electoral Commission sort of, um, I think, slid backwards in terms of its conduct of the election. And, and that's really worrying, especially for the international community, you know, foreign donors like the United States, the UK, Australia, who invest a lot in trying to um, improve the capacity and the capability of the Electoral Commission in Nigeria and other developing countries so as to, you know, instill that confidence in the democratic process. Just finally, uh, remind our listeners what's at stake here. What are the big issues that are in the in-tray, if you like, of Hmm. the incoming president? Definitely. It's a very formidable menu of challenges. Um, Nigeria is coming, coming off of eight years of, um, of the rule of President Muhammadu Buhari. He generally is seen to have done a fairly lackluster job in tackling the three main priorities that he came into office saying he was going to tackle. One was security. The country has major security problems, including, you know, the Boko Haram insurgency that many of your listeners will be familiar with, but also sort of everyday challenges like banditry and crime and communal conflict that really um, 
sort of destabilize the everyday lives of of hardworking Nigerians. The other big issue, of course, is the economy. Um, Nigeria is a big oil producer, but that makes it it vulnerable to to oil shocks and um, and also corruption as well. Uh, as I mentioned, huge population, incredible demands. Um, Nigeria is also the poverty capital of the world. So, in other words, the has the greatest number of people living in in absolute poverty compared to any other country. And finally, of course, corruption. That's another big issue because corruption is sort of the the kryptonite that saps the ability of the Nigerian state to really Mm. tackle some of its deepest challenges. So Nigeria's next president has a lot to do. He's not going to be able to waste any time in terms of taking on these, these big obstacles to Nigeria's incredible potential. Matthew, thank you. My pleasure. Matthew Page, an Associate Fellow at Chatham House's Africa Program, and you're listening to ABCRN Breakfast. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app. Me again, podcasters. I hope you're enjoying our coverage of international affairs on RN Brecky. And if you're looking for more stories that put world events into context, then look for Between the Lines on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts.